Rochdale. This is the Stories of Strength podcast, a collection of inspiring stories told by women from across Rochdale. I'm Asma Begum from Soul Sisters Empowering People, and together with a bunch of other brilliant Rochdale organisations, we've gathered stories of strength from women who come from all walks of life. Our stories will make you laugh, cry and reflect on your own experiences. But most of all, you'll feel empowered and strong. Before we get started, this episode contains references to bereavement. Hi Shanaz, thanks for coming on this episode. Really pleased to have you on here. Asalaamu Alaikum Asma. I'm a foster carer. I've been um, fostering for about 24 years now. How I got into it um, was uh, when we had our own children uh, with each child that I had, it was with a lot of difficulty. I had a lot of medical issues at the time. And so the doctors had said that you can't have any more children. So it was um, quite sad for us. And it was from that point onwards that if we thought, you know, if we could look after other children, we would, if we had an opportunity to. And uh, it was one particular day when I had my child in a a playgroup setting and uh, this fostering uh, team came in and did a talk on fostering. So that's when we first uh, inquired. And uh, yeah, we got put through and uh, we've been fostering ever since. Wow, that's amazing. Can you tell me a little bit about your family? Yeah, I've got um, a son, uh, two sons, and uh, one daughter. My youngest son is married. My daughter is married. My eldest son is not married. Yeah, and uh, I've got a few foster children I'm looking after. So my own, our own biological children don't live with us. um, uh, So we're looking after these children. Wow. What it is, is that one of the main reasons is for, for us going into it is there's not a lot of mis- Muslims who do fostering. And, and I always, me and my husband are always trying to promote it uh, because it's so vital that, you know, that this gap is uh, met. Children are children at the end of the day, whatever background they come from. It's, it depends on, you, you know, you yourself, how you are as a person and, you know, that you welcome them as your own not as somebody else's child, because then that's, that's, that wouldn't be right either. But you're also quite clear about each child's case that, you know, that child has to move on. So, and you do the best of your ability to provide for that child the, what, it, what, what the child needs, whatever background they've come from. So we've fostered from like babies up to teenagers. And at the moment, we're still with teenagers. But um, also to the, the, the main thing is to promote it uh, because uh, there's a lot of myths about social workers, fostering, everything. So we try to, you know, tell them that, no, it's not what you think about social workers. They don't come and take the kids away from you. They work with the parents. They work with foster carers and to try and enable that child to go back, depending on the case. And then we've had like babies that we fostered a long time ago who were successfully adopted. Yeah, so it's been um, challenging as well. But for us as a, as a couple, we're, uh, having the children in our homes been a blessing. You know, and that's how we see it. 
that's brilliant you know you and your husband working together as partners in this that makes it you know really worthwhile so what is your story about today Shanaz? So regarding women and work I wanted to say to you that um, when I left school and whatever qualifications I had and then I got married got had kids and there was a time, a very dark time in my life at that time when the children were very small and I wasn't really focused on life at all. So I was just, uh, children were small and um, they were in the, uh, two of them were at school and the little one was still at home, but uh, was in play group. And then my husband suggested that why don't I start uh, education again? So he sort of signed me up for college. And uh, so I, st- I went actually to do a childcare course initially, and the childcare course was fill, uh, full at uh, Rochdale College. It took a lot of guts for me to actually go there because I lost my uh, self confidence. I lost my, I lost every, all my, you know, I don't know where I was at that time. But this, uh, as I was walking out of the college, because I got um, basically they said there's no room, there's no more places for that course and then this lady came up to me this teacher she said excuse me I've just noticed that you're about to leave but I'd like you to consider this course I said uh, and then I quickly sat down near her and she said it's called um uh it's it's a sport like a sport worker for special needs and I said yeah go on then I quickly signed up I didn't know what I was signing up for And I, and I went back into education and that was one night a week and it was absolutely brilliant. And I never stopped. I never looked back after that for 20 odd years. I've been doing course after course and, and then I'm encouraging other women to do such a course, you know, to enable them to get out there, do things for themselves, you know, be independent you know, earn money or, you know, just have a good social life. You know, they don't need to be stuck at home. So I've always been a person who's encouraged other women and, you know, um, set up groups for women um, just to enable them. Like, say, say there's, I remember a long time ago, there was a, a woman who hadn't even been out of town. You know, she hadn't been on a bus. So it's the, things like that, you know, and, and I, I'm just honoured that I was part and parcel of the fact that, you know, I encouraged that person to be independent and to get, get her to where she always wanted to be. There shouldn't be anything that there's so many opportunities here. It's unreal. And it's just about getting that person to that point in their life where they feel confident enough and uh, uh, in a social setting and, and to be enabled them to educate themselves more and and enjoy life more you know and um and make new friends and uh, there was a there was a woman who inspired me to take the courses further where it was basic to a higher level which is somebody who lived in my street and she asked me once she said that Shnaz, what uh, qualifications did you leave uh, when you left school and I told her she said oh my gosh you shouldn't be doing this course and that course you should be doing this one I said, all right, okay. So I went for an A-level one and then <clears throat> and then the fostering came along. And then I did a couple of jobs like um, I did like an assistant scheme manager in a sheltered scheme. I did, um, uh, you know, things like that. So it led, one thing led to another, but the thing that I was doing at the time was I was doing um, maybe two 
part-time jobs, which I loved, and also doing courses. And then I was running voluntary groups. And then I also became a governor of a school. So it led from one point, which was, I was stuck in the home with the children, no, no um, confidence whatsoever it gone, to the point where I was like, I'm out there now, I'm here now. You know, this is who I am and I can get on with it. And, and also the encouraging other women to do the same. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm just really honored that, you know, that a lot of women, you know, benefited from my experience and I benefited from their encouragement for me as well. So. Wow, that's a big one, that one, isn't it? And how do you feel when you're telling me about this? I feel good because... I feel that, you know, I made a difference to other women's lives um, and men as well, you know, along the way, young, young men and young, young children who I considered like my sons. And also I've, we've made a difference to young people's lives in our, who've come in and out of our home and also any workplace that I have been. I always made sure that I made that impact. I worked once um, for about a couple of years with the, uh, a health center. Um, <clears throat> I'm not going to say which one, uh, but I was a like a manager there. And what I did there was that the young girls who used to come there to for their exercise and everything, I used to encourage. You know, if there was a certain lady who a young girl who I thought I saw potential in, I'd encourage her to do certain courses, and she did. And then she was running. They were running the centers. You know, that's that's the level that. And then I, I just felt I can do this and then I can walk away and I'm proud of the fact that yes I was part of that you know and part of their decision making for you know to um, encourage them to reach their potential really um, so yeah I feel proud that uh, I did that yeah <laughs> and what did your husband what does your husband say to you about what you've done what you've achieved he's he's always encouraged me has supported me and guided me in some some way, you know, and always if, I, if I've had like bad days and whatever I needed to really offload and then, you know, I could do that in a safe place, a safe way because it was all confidential. Uh, and then, yeah, it, we just, it was just good that, you know, I could offload as well now and again. What about your um, children? I bet they're well proud of you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're proud of me and, uh, yeah, they are. Proud and like uh, my daughter, she's mashallah. Um, I can never remember the name, but she's a psychologist. She works now with the. She's she's doing her fourth degree now, mashallah. Um, plus working with stroke victims, um, uh, stroke patients who need uh, uh, psychotherapy um, and therapies and things. And so she's she's doing that. And uh, my youngest, uh, he's a grand hafiz. So he teaches Quran to children. And my eldest, he's working as well in logistics. So, and my uh, two, uh, my one foster child who's been with me long-term, um, he's now in university. So that's a massive achievement. The fact that one of my children actually went to university because it's very, it, for foster children, it's not very well known for them to actually end up in university. So he's, uh, you know, he's achieved a lot in his life with the, our support and, you know, he's on the right track anyway. 
you know, and we feel really proud and honored that, you know, we were part of his journey. Brilliant. My emotional health took a nosedive a few years ago because of some losses that we, personal losses that we had. And I wasn't really able to deal with the grieving. And that sort of nosedived me into um, depression. Although I was helping a certain person at that time, it was a certain lady in the community who had a few children and she was, I was supporting her with everything, with trying to get her housing and, and then had to go to court with her and everything. You know, she wanted me to go with her. She had to fight for her children to get the custody of them. So I helped her up to that point. So I was on and on and go, ongoing. And then all of a sudden, after I came back from court, that was it. I just closed off. I just switched off. I didn't know what had happened to me. And yeah, I, was, I wasn't in a good place and I couldn't understand why, but, but I realized now that I was grieving and it was, it was um, grieving at a later time after the person had passed away. And that, that really put an impact on, on my emotional health um, and my confidence and everything. I just closed up and I just didn't want to know the world. Um, although I was still fostering, it, it didn't, I didn't allow it to affect the children. The, nobody had a clue, not even my hobby. And uh, but then one day I went to I was invited to a group uh, in a women's center near my area, which is closed now. But I went in reluctantly. But anyway, it was just an art and craft uh, thing. And I thought I'll, I'll try it. And then slowly, 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 it took me about a year to get back on track. Um, I started getting back on track and then I started uh, doing things for myself doing more things for my own personal needs, you know, like having more walks, um, doing arty, crafty things, and uh, started reading again and things like that. I started finding myself again, and I'm okay now. Yeah, but um, it's, any, it's anybody's life. I mean, there might be certain things in life that, you know, just absolutely knock you sideways, and you just don't know how to get up. Even if people are trying to help you, it's you yourself. You, somehow you have to find, your, find yourself. And I did actually um, contact uh, Mind at that time who um, offered um, counselling, but I didn't really want it. But the courses and the walks and things that they were doing, that helped me get out of that dark time in my life. How are you feeling when you're talking about that time? How is it making you feel right now? Yeah, quite um, sad mm, that I, I actually went to that point where I, I just closed off with everything and everyone. Um, and it, all it is is that, you know, it was about me recognising the fact that people did care. Because when you're in that kind of emotional state, you think people don't absolutely care about you at all. And then you don't care about yourself. Yeah, not good. <laughs> But you will get there. When you were going through that whole time of being unwell, what was going through your mind? I couldn't make sense of why I was like that. And that was the frustrating bit is why is it that I'm like this? And but I had no love of life anymore. And that that's and that wasn't me. So I couldn't recognize me in that time. But slowly, slowly, it took time, about a year, I think it took me to get back on track 
And when I realized that you can't control things around you and it is what it is and you have to accept there are some things that you can't uh, make and make a difference to, you know, you can only try and heal yourself by caring about yourself. And that's what I started doing. So is there anything that you would change if you could go back? And if so, then what, what would it be and why? Regarding the education, I don't think, uh, I mean, it was meant to happen to me at that time. It was, I think it just came at the right crucial time. And it's important that when a woman has a child, when, when, when they're going to these centers, that the professionals actually recognize that this woman is sort of uh, looks a certain way or is behaving a certain way. Maybe there's more to it than meets the eye. And that's what happened was somebody had recognized that in me and encouraged me to, to do this, do that and whatever. And that's what helped me out of that dark hole. And it takes a certain skill, I suppose, to recognize that but I, th I think it it needs to be recognized in schools like the teachers and that and other parents and you know it, just to recognize it and that there is such, there's a need um for a person to understand what that person's going through and then to guide them and support them and the other thing about the health uh, health wise I've been through a lot in my life um the first few years of uh, having the children and that there was one point where my youngest child I nearly lost him at five and a half months and the doctors had said that uh, you were going to have to do a cesarean section on you and remove the child because he's not going to survive it's going to be disabled it's going to be this it's going to be that and and I said to the consultant um, you're not God that I'll leave it in God's hands and whatever God wants to give me or not give me, I will accept it. So I had him uh, at the seventh month with a lot of difficulty. And he's the one who's the Grand Hafiz now, inshallah. He's the one that the doctors said, no, he's not going to walk. He's not going to talk. And he's the one who's a Grand Hafiz now. And he's led Dravi in a couple of masjids in Rochdale a few years ago. Now he's living abroad with his wife. So who's to say? At the time, you know, I would have easily, well, another kind of person would have easily believed what the consultant had said. And that is still happening now as well. But we have to leave it in God's hands. Whatever God wants for you is written for you and you accept that. And he's got, mashallah, a very beautiful voice as well. So he's quite well known as well. <laughs> so I'm uh, very proud of him. What if those things had not happened to you? Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh. That's a good question. I really don't know. That's that stumped me. That if those things didn't happen, you mean if uh, if I didn't go into fostering or I didn't have my kids, or is that what you mean? Yeah, just everything you talked about. You know, going into education. If you weren't fostering, if you didn't fall sick. I think if that support didn't happen at that time, I think I would have been in a very bad place in life, and my children wouldn't have uh, flourished. Um, and I wouldn't have had a good relationship with my husband. I wouldn't have been good for me as an individual. I don't think I would have been in, in this house, <laughs> meaning I would have maybe, I don't know, I don't think I would have been in a good place because everybody needs somebody to 
guide them and to support them and to care about them and to believe in them. That's the main word is the belief, the, the, the fact that, yes, I believe that you can do this. And I'm, I'm a great believer in that, that it doesn't matter what type of education you've had, whether it's from abroad or from here, or what little bit of education you've had, you still can meet more of your potential in life because there's so many opportunities here that are given. And, and, and what my main encouragement for my children is that, why don't you work abroad? Why don't you, you know, my, my child who's gone to university, I've really, really encouraged him. And he's, he says he's going he's gonna to go abroad in a couple of months just for a holiday. And he, because, of, because I keep encouraging him, he wants to travel the world while he's doing his uni. So I've encouraged that. And my husband's having hissy fits. He said, why have you told him to do that? I said, no, I want him to explore things that maybe we weren't able to do. I'd love him to do that. That's, that's my main thing about uh, guiding the children is that do things that, you know, there's so many opportunities there, so much to see, so much to do. Go and do charity work and appreciate everything that you have in your life. You know, and I've done a lot of charity work over the years. So that's something I encourage my foster children to do as well. One child I've had to force him to go and then he loved it. <laughs> that was only a few months ago. Yeah. And they, they benefit from that because they're dealing with real life issues that are affecting day-to-day people, you know, like day-to-day life. How can they make a difference? It isn't just about putting a little bit of money in a box or whatever. It's about what you do with your hands-on. You're there, you're in the cold, you're in the rain, you're helping in the soup kitchens and doing this and doing that, you know, so. That's amazing. So they've seen, so my children have seen me do volunteering work over the years and they couldn't understand it at first because they'd say, well, we, we haven't seen you this evening because you went to such a place. And then, then they started doing things themselves and then they realized, yeah, I said, look, the, if I've got the ability, why not? And if I can encourage other people and we can work together as a team and uh, make a difference, why not? While, while I'm still going strong, I'll do it. And I'll encourage others to do it as well because you, you will gain so much and you'll appreciate life in general. Uh, for every little thing that you have from just a, a warm home to some warm food you know others they don't even have any family or friends or anybody they're alone they're isolated young people are on the you know like they leave care and they're homeless and that is something that needs to change you know I mean you know you can you can have certain passions in life you know about you know you know you can make a difference to young people and or, or, or women's lives and uh, families. And that is a good way to start in life is appreciate what you have. Um, you know, don't expect it on a plate. Work for it and also support your community. Give back to your community because they, they, these people who supported me over the years, this is what I want to do is give back to the community. And I have done quite a bit and I'm sort of taking a back seat now and watching the young ones do it now (laughs) yeah but if I can I will no that's brilliant and actually do I say any more about how has Rochdale helped you yeah yeah Rochdale I mean I love uh, Rochdale and I've always tried to you know like obviously in the years ago we've had a lot of bad press and um, there was one one particular event that I got involved in and I encouraged them to let the observer know that this is, you know, that um, 
the Muslim community are raising funds for such a charity. And this is how we're doing it. And they've been doing it ever since. And uh, it was uh, ad uh, advertised on the Observer is, is trying look at the good that people are doing in Rochdale, you know, not, you know, there's always negative press about um, every town, really. But, you know, you can make that difference, you know, come on, there's so many people who do so much good work out in Rochdale, and they make a difference and, you know, highlight that instead of the negative side that the media is always saying, you know, uh, uh, reporting. So, yeah, Rochdale, uh, um, so many opportunities I've had from Rochdale, so uh, that's why I want to give give back what I can. And one one part is encouraging our young people to do their voluntary work and charity work, and not just think about me, myself, and I. And it'll make them better for the future, better human beings, really, for the future, and help others and themselves as well, and um, have certain principles in life as well from that experience. How do you think your friends and family would describe you? I've been called like a mother hen. My friends even say you're like a mother hen. <laughs> mother hen means is that you, you know, you're looking after all your chicks under your wing. <laughs> do you consider yourself strong? And if so, why? Yeah, I am. Uh, I've, I've always been strong because being the eldest as well and making certain decisions um, in life uh, made me stronger. Um, one thing is that uh, being strong can backfire on you as well. You can become vulnerable as well with that uh, quality because you, you, you remain strong in front of everybody, but then behind closed doors, uh, you know, you could be collapsing and they won't know, they won't recognize it because you've got this face and this, this certain persona about you. Or, you know, she's very strong, she's very, you know, focused and everything. But then, and also I, will, I won't let anybody see the weak side of myself. So, so it's not good to be always strong. What words of advice would you offer someone who is going through what you have? You're not alone. You're not alone. There's, there's people out there who care about you. And, you know, we'll make a difference and things will get better. I just want to thank you for coming on this episode. The story you heard in this episode was edited by Asma Begum from Soul Sisters Empowering People. Thanks for listening to the Stories of Strength episode. If you have been affected by the issues raised, you'll find some support information in the show notes. You can access this wherever you're listening to this podcast. Now it's over to you. How did this story of strength make you feel? Have you had a similar experience? We'd love to hear. You can get in touch with us on social media. We're on Twitter and Facebook. Simply search We Act Together. Don't forget to use the hashtag Stories of Strength. Or for a less public response, you can email us info at actiontogether.org.uk These stories are made for listening and to inspire. If there's someone you feel needs to hear it, please share it with them. We want people across the globe to be empowered by the women of Rochdale. You can also help amplify these stories by leaving us a rating and review on your podcast app. 
especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. A huge thank you to the women who shared their stories with us. We can't express how grateful we are that you have trusted us to tell your story. A massive thanks to the organisations who've opened their doors and allowed us to speak to the women they work with for this series. This includes Deeplish Community Centre, Darnell Library and Touchstones. Stories of Strength is commissioned by Action Together. It's made with partners from across Rochdale, including Cartwheel Arts, Soul Sisters Empowering People, UKEF, Rochdale Mind, Rochdale Women's Welfare Association, Rochdale Connection Trust and Rochdale Health Alliance. Thank you for taking the time to contribute. We really appreciate it. The partners received podcast training delivered by Mike Media and the series producer is Danielle Porter.